This is the Technology Advisory Professionals Technology, Innovation, and Growth Podcast hosted by Sean Gancheris. This podcast is dedicated to supporting business leaders and entrepreneurs in choosing technology, finding innovation, and achieving growth. Enjoy this week's episode. Today's episode is How Important Is Your Sales Engine? Our guests today are a pair of guys who have a long and uh, successful history of driving sales and building a robust sales engine, even in this tough economy. Robbie Butchert is a born and raised Calgarian who has been in business for over 15 years, including global technology companies, and is now the chief revenue officer for a great startup here in Calgary. The only thing bigger than his personality is his ability to generate revenue. Sterling Hamilton has been on our show before and is still disrupting the traditional view of technology and helping customers think differently. Sterling Sterling owns a successful cigar factory, has four kids. Like all of us, they roll their eyes as he cheers for the 49ers. Sorry, Sterling. One day your team will win as much championships, Sean. Moving on. <laughs> so the premise today is the importance is the importance of the sales engine. Uh, you two, as, as seasoned leaders in that field, probably think this is a pretty short conversation, uh, and it and in some ways it truly is. However, there's still prevailing uh, attitudes that uh, about sales, whereby is almost a four-letter word. Have you guys experienced that type of mentality? I'll start with you, Sterling. Yeah, well, I think always people look at sales and they think, oh, great, sales guy's going to call me. Oh, great, it's sales. I don't really want to talk to them. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And it's funny because in our our day-to-day lives, not only in the corporate world, but we're always – always you know in front of sales is part of our environment and society whether it's you know something that's coming up on your phone just saying hey whether it's an email whether it's a personal conversation you're having with someone so it's funny that people always have that four-letter word to describe sales um yet really sales is the only way that you you grow revenue hence why robbie's got a cool title like chief (laughs) instead of like you know what it used to be it was like hey let's let's make him uh vice president of sales old you know, like, school you know chief revenue officer so people are like huh what does a chief revenue officer do <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, and sorry so is, is that is it do you think that's because of high pressure sales robbie is that is that what gives it the that uh, i don't want to I don't want to really talk to a sales guy. Yeah, you know, and and I think Sterling, you know, for the record, I got to pick my own title, okay, bud. So that's uh, that's the exciting part of this. But um, you know, and and first of all, I had some connection issues there. So Sean, thanks for having me on on uh, on the show here. I, I'm excited to chat with you guys both. Um, and to get into that expect that that question specifically, you know, I think that if you've been in sales long enough, you've absolutely felt that. And the reality of it is, it's such a it's such a negatively perceived profession, you know. And, and it's you think of the old used car sales guy. I know a lot of guys that actually sell used cars and they're great individuals, you know, but the media has perceived sales in such a way that's high pressure. It's pushy. It's, it's, you're getting something that you don't want, you know, like, so it's really that, that negativity associated to it. You think back to some of those old commercials on TV where it's good deals on cell phones and you have the guy standing in the 
middle of the mall, you know, pushing something that again, somebody doesn't want. So, you know, ultimately that, that pushy feeling that people are left to feel is, is unfortunately what the, the perception of what sales looks like out there, you know, and the, the, the true reality of it is it's, it's far different from that, that per- perception. Right. Right. Is your, uh, and you know, a, based on where we're going with this conversation at this moment, is a salesman favorite? So as we know, in IT, for IT people, our favorite movie is generally always uh, Office Space. If you're a salesperson, is your favorite movie used cars? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. That's if, a good question. If you haven't seen that movie, I encourage every salesperson to watch that movie. It is, <laughs> it is, it is hilarious. Anyway, uh, back on back on topic. So the sales engine, as you guys have said, is is uh, is pretty critical, and there is a negative uh, view on sales. So uh, can you think of a company that that does sales really well that you know you would advise people to emulate? I'm assuming you're asking me that question. You're going to go sure. Sterling. I'll sure. just throw it over. Sure. Well, maybe I'll start it off, Sterling. You can you can finish up on the, on the backside there. You know, I think any organization that you see in this day and age, who's seeing growth and is seeing opportunity, is is a somewhat of a um, you know it can be associated with a strong sales group, and it's not just associated to a sales team. And there's many examples of that. You look at all the SaaS model organizations that are out there. You look at IT service companies that are out there. You look at product service companies out there. You know, there, there's really not, I think, one overarching example, in my opinion, uh, of one company that does it better than the most. You know, if you think back to some of those older days where you had some of those product-based companies that were trying to drive more value into your client base, they would have that different focus on what you're trying to align with within an organization, uh, an organization, pardon me. So you think of the IBMs and you think of the Xeroxes and the Ricos of the world back in the day where they had to train their people differently to bring more value to the conversation. And out of that, that alignment alignment, you, you, you know, your sales team and, and your sales professional individually would have a better conversation, a more intelligent conversation at a different level than just pushing a product or pushing an agenda on what they want. So I think there's examples everywhere, you know, and especially now there's a lot of smaller companies out there that are doing phenomenal things with, you know, the people that just get it, you know, so to, to categorize one individual organization, I don't think is, I don't know if it's really doable, uh, right. you know, in my opinion, anyway, Sterling, I'll throw it over to you and see if you have different thoughts around it. I think the biggest thing for me is if we look at companies that are are very large that we all know, you look at the apples of the world, you look at Microsoft, have any of us been cold called from Apple or Microsoft? Like, really? I mean, did you ever get a call from Apple that was like, hey, I work for Apple and I'm looking to do this? You you didn't see that environment. It just kind of, it ended up happening that everyone wanted an Apple device. And that is because fundamentally their sales approach wasn't just to go hire a bunch of cold callers to sit there all damn day and say, hey, um, Sean, I work at Apple. I want to do this. And would you be interested in that? And so they created something that people wanted and they sold it in an effective way. And a lot of small companies do that. When I look at, you know, organizations specifically in that market, Robbie, you were you were talking about. I mean, it's not like they have a big team of mm-hmm. And, and salespeople going out there to find opportunities. A lot of the times, those organizations are from networking, from relationships, from developing and finding out really from those clients, okay, what is the underlying goal that they're trying to achieve? How can we mm-hmm. you know, solve that? And what can we do in those conversations? Rather than, like you said, Sean, developing a product 
and then just going out there and trying to sell it to the market by just imposing it that hey i know you really need a used car don't (laughs) buy a used car because i can tell you you're paying 20 percent more for the new car than you need to this car is just as good most people are going to be like i don't i don't care i feel like i'm educated enough that i can decide which car Mm -hmm. that i right you bring up an interesting point, and I, and I think that it's, it's an, there's an important distinction here, because when you bring up companies like, say, Apple, like, say, Microsoft, um, <clears throat> there's a their their sales is tightly woven into their marketing and their, mm-hmm. for instance, when if we use Apple as as an example, their sales uh, engine is obviously strong, but but without their tie into the to the Apple ecosystem and all the cool things their marketing is doing, I mean it's. I don't want to. I don't want to say that the Apple salespeople have an easy job, but I would say relative to other companies, they have a much easier job because the, the product somewhat sells itself in some markets. Um, <clears throat> so I mean that's an that's an important distinction. But I think for uh, for most of the companies that that uh, work, I mean th- those are those are Forbes top. 10 right like mm-hmm. apples apples a trillion dollar company was a two trillion dollar company for a moment but uh when we talk about the 99 percent of companies they don't have that marketing they don't have that that background so they kind of do have to default to i think they have to default to uh the cold calling but i guess that's the next question uh people's view on sales is generally cold calling and is cold calling uh, well, it's traditionally not very effective, but is it still something you need to do? I'll start with you, Sterling, because you have a definite view, it seems, on cold calling. <laughs> I, I do think it's, it is required because at the end of the day, if you call 500 companies and one of the people answers and that turns into a sale, that's valuable. It just It depends on what your expectations are, but you can't have, you know, someone that's 100% doing cold calling also be managing and developing those relationships and that thing because the cycles aren't there. When it comes to cold calling, it's a volume game. It mm-hmm. does become more of a, a relationship and developing an understanding of what the clients need because you don't have the time in the cycle to do that. Um, if, if you're in cold calling, it's a volume game. So you have to have someone that enjoys picking up the phone every day and he's okay to be rejected when 99 people don't answer the phone that doesn't bother that type of individual but to have you know someone kind of well okay we need to we need to generate sales and do that so you know you need to do a bunch of cold calling well then it doesn't allow you to focus on the right aspects once it becomes more of just a lead that's all cold calling is is identifying is it uh, a warm or is it a cold lead is it a lead is that something that we want to pursue? Um, so it's very important. It just it depends on how upper management defines what their expectations are of a team doing cold call. Right, right. Now I, I'll give you. I'll give a. I'll change it up a little bit for you, Robbie, because uh, I think that's a pretty comprehensive answer there. Yeah. Um, in 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 places, and Calgary is one of those places where cold calling is is less effective than others. And if you look at a place like like Japan, cold calling is basically non-existent because you you have to form those relationships. But 
just speaking of, of Calgary, because it's a really handshake community. Yeah. Do you, do you find that there's any, that there's a, that it's valuable to employ someone to cold call or do you just need to find those relationships? Yeah, I, mean, I think if you're talking Calgary specific, and, and I haven't been to Japan, Sean, so you'll have to enlighten me on the tradition over there. But, uh, you know, drinking, the, the, lots of drinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, not, sounds, I'm not sounds, even making it up. Sounds like Calgary. But yeah, no, I mean, the reality <laughs> of it is, is I feel like Calgary similar in that space, you know, like, you know, and Alberta as a whole is very much a relationship is uh, relationship business, pardon me. And, you know, I think the reality also on it, in my experience is that the evolution of cold calling has has is there, you know, it's evolved significantly in terms of just cold outreach, you know, and and what you're starting to see in the way you start tying in some of these outreach campaigns that you start bringing into to to some of the teams and some of the thought processes around LinkedIn around emails, around in-mails, around social platform outreaches. You know, there's so much more information now out there available on everybody. As we all know, nobody has privacy anymore. Uh, you know, so if you want an outreach, you know, I, I can Google Sterling if I want to reach out to it. So anybody that wants to reach out to Sterling, Google his name, you know, see what you can find on on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, tie in a, hey man, love your apartment or love your hair or whatever weird thing you want to throw <laughs> out there to sh- throw some sort of personalization into it to say, you know what? this individual is actually putting some time and effort into me and it's not just it's not an automated system that is somebody's reaching out with that we all feel like sometimes we we are 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 subject to is just those automated campaigns of instantly reach out want to sell you something you know so it, it goes to that building of relationship and bringing value to the other side of why that individual should talk to me right so so i definitely see that that is something here in, in this space and i think that can be extended into you know you know country uh, pardon me countrywide and as well as north american wide you know we're getting outreaches into the us as well now um, to try and, and grow some of our market share down there and it's the same concept you know humans still have that you know basic uh, basic need of of feeling connection. And if you can tie that piece in and that personalization, and I feel like there's more reception there. You know, you're still going to run into those people that don't want to have that conversation, but you're setting yourself up for the most amount of success, success uh, on the cold outreach. Right. And I think, I mean, what you said to, to elaborate a little bit on that, Robbie, I, I personally feel that cold calling almost falls under the marketing realm rather yeah. than the sales realm. Yeah. Right? That's, it's more of a marketing initiative to, like I said, generate leads rather than a sales function of developing that relationship. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in sales, what's the worst thing that you don't want your your potential company sitting there and comparing price versus price? Yeah, no. Because if that's what they're doing, then you haven't done a very good job on the sales side. Yeah, And so if it's comparing price versus price, then, you know, you've already pretty much lost it and it, and it becomes, okay, how much... How much do we want to erode our margins just to win that sale for the sake of winning it to to feel that I accomplished something and I actually want to deal? Yeah. And, you know, that's that's why separating out the two and cold calling is very different than sales. Yeah. Um, well said. I agree 100 percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I 100 percent agree with you there. And, and you know, building relationships is is truly the the way the way you you make those sales, but I think the important uh, thing that you bring up in that whole in that whole conversation, Sterling, is that cold calling is probably not sales traditional, or maybe it is sales traditional, but has now moved into the marketing or advertising. It's straddling that line, and I think it's important for companies, especially in Calgary at this time, to to realize that 
that that you know you don't want to pay a premium for that type of outreach and maybe you do want to pay a premium for for uh you know the relationship building but now that we're talking about about that type of thing you know we're in some pretty uh we're in some pretty specialized circumstances now here in calgary i guess all over the world in the covid and i guess um the the question becomes how difficult or how much has sales changed for you in this new climate i'll start with robbie just to be fair yeah thanks for being fair i appreciate that <laughs> you're such a giver i try uh, yeah i know i can feel it so you know, you know quite quite frankly it's it's we've had to for, for us in our organization and what our experiences, we've had to evolve our organization significantly in order to adapt. Uh, we have a couple different lines of business coming in. One has been completely uh, decimated, uh, to be very frank with with everybody, is in in terms of the hospitality and, and the entertainment space. Uh, everything being shut down. Uh, our other side of the business is is all around software development. And the exciting part of that is that. I still feel like, and I've experienced that businesses are still buying. You know, organizations are still investing into their into their day to day operations, into their their the long term goals. It's still happening. Uh, business is still going on, but it's all around now value and relevance, right? Walking in the door and trying to uh, pitch a product or pitch a service when you really don't understand what the organization that you're talking to is trying to accomplish, you're 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 on deaf ears right away. Like you know, they're they're very aware of the spend right now, uh, and and I think that the experience that we have gone through has taught me is that you know walking into that that door and and tying together the values of their their organization aligning to their goals helping them you know get past hurdles and challenges that they're dealing with on the day-to-day and from our perspective you know the technology that i I feel like most organizations now if they haven't are are no longer in business unfortunately but everybody is turning to technology you have to you have to adapt you have to evolve and you have to satisfy your different uh, you know you're, you're changing client buying patterns you have to you know now adapt to new ways of working with everybody being remote you know like all of this technology piece if you're in that space is going to align within their organization now if you're selling into a different type of demographic you know understanding what the goals of the business are and understanding where they want to go that down that path and aligning yourself in, into that same conversation will bring more relevance into the conversation. And they're not thinking of you now as trying to sell something, but trying to help their business survive and, and get into the next stages of this, whatever our, our new world looks like here in the next coming months. So that that's what we've found, you know. So, you know, on the one side, we've been we've been heavily impacted. And on the other, we're getting wins, you know. And through a time like this, it just it speaks to the importance of not only the sales side of the business, but also the team that's pushing behind your sales efforts from the team. Team, uh, that that sales team. So that that's where you know really that alignment comes in, and I'm sure this will be a conversation down the road here in our in our chat. But the team that is behind you that pushes you through and is is what will ultimately drive that success. Right, right. So so Sterling, noting noting that whole uh, change in in business and the way you approach things, is there is there uh, some things you change in your approach now? Is with COVID's happening? Obviously, we're not having many face-to-face meetings, so creating that relationship is a little bit harder. As Robbie said, you know, you can't just go and, as you and Robbie both said, you can't just go and say, ah, "We'll sell you something" because people don't want to hear it. So, does your approach change? I mean, it's it's an interesting question because I would say my approach hasn't changed, but I think a lot of other people's approaches have had to change. I've always kind of looked at it from okay, my goal in sales is to A, look my contacts like they're the best employees that that company has. How do I achieve that? I align what their business challenges and goals are 
with the right technology. And I've always had that. And, you know, if you look back at, at kind of some areas with within my career, have other salespeople outperformed me and done well? Yeah. But in these times, those are the types of people, those are the first ones that are let go. Um, and I think, you know, flagship to that kind of mentality is when you look at it and you hear, well, you know, I just started a new job. And they're like, well, how did you get a job in this environment when... <laughs> No, like all I'm hearing is people laid off and it's, you know, I think those are the types of things. And so my sales fundamentals haven't changed because I've always looked at it that way. I would rather develop a strong relationship with the individual um, that could lead to to much larger sales down the road than getting a quick win and being able to be like, hey, great, I needed to meet my quota. So I'm going to go and just push him to buy that when he doesn't. And I think we're noticing that a lot more in the sales environment. So you're seeing a little bit of a shift of, you know, who it is that's in sales and and realizing the the ones that succeed. Because, you know, like Robbie was mentioning, yeah, the economy has done quite poorly. But I know lots of salespeople that have actually done phenomenal. And I know lots of salespeople that haven't. I think what it's done is it's changed kind of the fundamental approach on how clients look at it and certain you know people in the sales funnel have got it because that's always how they've sold Um, the other ones are needing to adapt and that's a change and that's a challenge um and so whether they adapt it positively then then they're going to be able to succeed but i don't think it changes because at the end of the day people are still spending money like robbie said um, they still need to do things. They still need to create change and innovation in their own organizations to generate revenue. Um, so that doesn't go away. It's just, you know, it's changed how they get revenue. They need to be strategic. It's not just all, you know, it's like oil prices. When oil prices are skyrocketing, is sales pretty easy? Yeah, of course it is. Like, it's not very difficult when everyone, you know, is making a ton of money. Um, But when oil prices go down, then that becomes more of a challenge because it's not as hyper competitive anymore. Uh, So the positive, the people that are looking at the fundamentals properly are the one that continue to do well. And the ones that think they can just make a bunch of money and go into sales because it's a it's an up environment. Those are the ones that you kind of see dwindle into non-existence. (laughs) Right. Right. So. So in is it possible and I'm going to kind of go off on a bit of a, a different tangent is it possible for a company to be too sales focused like I, I think we can agree that the sales engine is is critical to the successful successful execution of almost every business I can't think of a business off the top of my head that doesn't need sales uh, and doesn't need and doesn't need strong sales but can a company be too sales focused Yeah like 100% they can because if, if they're too sales focused, what happens? That means that the salespeople are bringing in business and they're not worrying about what that end result becomes. So it's a very short-term viewpoint, but long-term, what's going to happen, right? A, your salespeople are going to stop really being that motivated because every time that they close a sale, all of a sudden delivery or things like that kind of don't, don't do their best effort in performing. And then the next time they go into that conversation, are they going to be that motivated to sell that to another guy that they know their company could drop the ball? 
Yeah. That's when it becomes too sales motivated. When you have that blend of, okay, we're just going to go pump and get the sales because we know we have a good solution. Also not paying attention to that delivery side. That's when you become too sales focused. <clears throat> you have to have that blend because if you don't, that's how you have salespeople that aren't going to be motivated and not driving the same results that they do. That's how word of mouth is not going to be in your favor. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting because as much as Calgary has over a million people, it's a small community. <laughs> like it's, you know, if I probably looked at, you know, this is the first time Robbie and I have met, but if I looked at his LinkedIn, I'm sure there's lots of connections that we have. There's lots of people. He could probably reach out to five or six different individuals and be like, oh, yeah, I know Sterling. Same with you, Sean. It's it's not that big. It's not like we live in New York where it's, you know, 25 million people and it's always changing. So yeah. it's a small yeah. community, so word of mouth is critical. Mm -hmm. That's what happens right. when you're sales focused. Yeah. Right. So, so if I... If, if I kind of extrapolate something out that that uh, Sterling touched on, and that's motivation for salespeople. And there's a bit of a, uh, I've heard some differing opinions, but I guess the question I would ask if I were a small business uh, person, are salespeople truly coin operated? And are your best salespeople coin operated in that they get bonuses for selling? And that's just the way sales is. That's the way it's always been. And that's what mostly motivates them. Yeah, I, you know, I'll I'll throw in there and and just to add maybe two more things just to Sterling's Sterling's earlier thought there. I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, like truly in sales, when you're starting to get into that that aspect of, of growing your organization, the biggest and best way of doing so is through that warm warm introduction, referrals, references. You know, if you get into the corporate world with the whole NPS, your net promoter scores, those types of right. things. That those are massive in terms of the organizational success. Now, talking through to that that next question, you know, realistically, I think in in any like sales is a performance based industry or profession, I should say, and you know, most salespeople want to win, right? So with that, you know, being being down that that path. Winning the financial piece of it is absolutely something that's there and I think should be there. You know, the, the reality of it is, is, is there's nothing wrong with that. However, that can be your only driver and your only motivator. There has to be a purpose uh, over and above just making money. You know, sales is, is definitely a lucrative business to be in. Um, but when you start coming down to it, that's the result of driving through your purpose, right? right? So finding your purpose as an individual and understanding what, what motivates, what drives you, and and the you know like you said the coin operation kind of follows as a as a as a result there. So you know from that perspective you have to have that person that's a driver that wants to to be, to do well and to be successful and 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 make good money. Um, but over and above that, what's the purpose that they're trying to accomplish? Is it trying to help out clientele? Is it trying to make their the world a safer place? Like what's the purpose, right? right? And and once you find that purpose, there's a deeper motivation that that goes outside of just making money. So. Sure. And I, I think it also goes to, to how the company that hires the salespeople structures it. That creates the culture. So if the if the pay for the salespeople is is very commission driven, then that's what you're going to get because that's what individually benefits that that person. But if you join an organization that say I go and I bring in five new clients. I'm not the only one that gets a commission on that. It's kind of like a revenue share and other people are benefiting within the organization. That creates a whole different mentality because it's not just you that's benefiting. And then the people within your company aren't sitting there and being like, oh yeah, of course, here's Sterling. He's making all the money 
and I still have the same salary. Right. Um, so I think it's important from a, a corporate standpoint of how that's structured within a, a sales environment, because at the end of the day, every employee within your company should be doing some sort of sales. Right. And it comes down to that word of mouth, to that networking, that thing. If one of your developers, you know, has a relationship with so-and-so um, and they know to think, be like, hey, next time I'm going to see that person, I'll ask them a question. That could be valuable sales. That's super valuable to the organization rather than be like, oh, that's that's up to sales. I'll leave that up to them. Um, giving them those kind of skill sets to say that, hey, everyone is really always selling because at the end of the day, that benefits them. That's how they're going to get raises within the organization. That's how they're going to grow their career and that path. So separating out sales from the rest of the company is typically a bad strategy and creates that environment where, yeah, okay, all the sales guy worries about is earning commission. Um, and that's when he becomes a used car salesman. Yep. Because at the end of the day, I could care less if Sean needs a used car. I just want to sell Sean a used car because that benefits me. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. It, is there a, is there a, uh, a we'll kind of go quick because I want to give you guys both a, a, a minute to, to tell, tell us about what you're doing right now. But is there a model for, for sales people that, you know what, forget that. Let's go back. Are there any indicators that, are there any early indicators that maybe your sales funnel is off track? And on top of that, uh, I'd just like to your own view on how long a, a general sales cycle is for for your customers, uh, just so small businesses get an idea for what that cycle should look like. And we'll start with Robbie. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll maybe I'll just touch on the whole timeline piece there. You know, I think from from that perspective, that's a very broad and, and generalized question. So when you're starting to mm -hmm. get into the whole. Uh, understanding of what it means to every different individual the organization that's out there it's going to vary obviously there's so many different factors that come into effect obviously right so so when we start talking that through you know you start understanding the client situation how does that evolve how does it change you know we've all experienced the oil crashes here in in calgary and alberta as a whole and you know you start getting into this craziness with the global pandemic and and everything along those lines so the evolution of the organization and you're talking to changes and you have to be able to adapt to that and in that changes budgetary changes it comes down to those types of things that that really impact what that whole process looks like um, you know the way they value the product or service that you're selling where does it fit within their criteria and the alignment like sterling mentioned a number of times valid point alignment throughout these conversations with your client is 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 key right so i mean there's examples where you know i've gone through a couple of different organizations and four to five years worth of a timeline to to earn a piece of business from a client right because there's so many factors that change so so that's obviously a very you know a very uh, a long example but in our space you know that that range is anywhere from 30 to 60 days right now with some of the longer ones into i mean we we proposed things from two years ago we had a client reach out to us yesterday saying right. hey we're interested in this now you know so from that perspective i don't think there's one specific area from from my side that really can say it's this definitive timeline um but it's that it's that you know tying into what sterling also said earlier about the relationship piece it's such a key factor and if it doesn't make sense at the time to continue to build the relationship grab a beverage go have lunch get around to golfing and do your typical sales stuff 
But right. that typical sales stuff is growing and and building that relationship so that you earn their trust. You right. know, and, and the way I, I like to think of it is I like my clients and good and or bad. There's two frames of thought here, but I like to think of them as these are my friends. How would I treat my friends? You know, right. do I only want to talk to them? Want to sell them something? No, I want to learn about their families. I want to learn about their kids. I want to learn about their spouses. I want to learn where they're going on holidays. Like build a relationship. You know, like that, that's, that's so key. And I think a lot of people miss that because they're looking short-sighted. So I'm sorry, I went on a little tangent here, no, Sean, okay. but uh, you got me going here, man. It's just, so, it's a train. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Passionate about sales. That's true. And that's true. critical. Yeah. Uh, so I forget your other question, but Sterling, you give her brother. <laughs> why don't, uh, for the podcast, why don't you repeat the other question, Sean, and then. Oh, sure. So. Uh, the reality is, the reality is, are there any indicators that that your sales cycle is kind of going off the rails? Like, are there things that, as your salespeople are, are if you're managing your salespeople, you can look at it and say, yeah, we're, things are not right here. I think the biggest thing that that we all have to realize in sales is you're not going to have a hundred percent retainment of all of your clients. Sure. You are, whether it's it's within your control or not, some of them are going to be bought, some of them are going to go out of business, things are going to happen. And so if if you're sitting there and you don't have what we call in sales, obviously, is a funnel, right, yeah. that, that has X amount of revenue um, that's always rotating. Because like Robbie said, the, the sales cycle, I mean, in my industry, if it's a net new, it's probably going to take you know, at least three three months to nine months to transition a client to to an MSP provider. Right. Um, it's it's not going to be a quick unless really your competitors screwed up and then you're excited because the client's contacting you uh, right. and they're reaching out to you. So, in when you look at it, you have to look at it from okay. If we were to lose, let's say, twenty percent of our revenue on a three-year cycle based upon just the that's how business is we have to make sure that our funnel has enough to be bringing in that net new business so we don't start reducing the amount of revenue that we have we should always be growing and so if you see that those numbers for example is okay we're assuming as a business we're going to lose 20 percent of our clients over the next five years um and we don't have enough of that in my sales funnel that's how I know my sales guys aren't driving the business of bringing enough in. And right. if one thing goes wrong, then we're going to be the ones sitting there in the boardroom and figuring out, okay, what do we need to do as an organization? Um, because that kind of, you know, caught us off guard. So you need to have those multipliers in of, okay, we're not going to keep every single client. Um, you know, statistically, we may have, we know that we win, you know, 10% of the opportunities that we're quoting. So that means that we need to have this much in our funnel at all times. Right. Uh, and if you don't, then as soon as that funnel size starts to dwindle, that's when you need to be worried because you're like, hmm, okay, I've only got, you know, 50% of what my funnel should have. That shows me that I need to, to talk to my sales team and see why that is. Why is right. it that our funnel size is, is reducing? Sure. Yeah, I, th I think that that's a, I mean, data analytics now plays a piece in, in what you're talking about, but that's a key indicator, like understand your funnel and, and what's in your funnel and your close rates and, 
and uh, things like that. So you can have a at least a reasonable view into what's likely to come down the the come through the funnel successfully. Uh, so just to just to give you guys a bit of time, I just want to wrap this up as far as our uh, conversation goes. I think the the fair conclusion here is that uh, sales is is not necessarily cold calling. I think cold calling is a straddles the line of sales and marketing. Relationships are king. Uh, if you don't make and build relationships, I think you're starting from behind. Uh, I, at least that's what we say. I think we've said and the sales funnel and understanding your sales funnel is absolutely critical. And that's it in a nutshell. Um, but, you know, there's it's it's a very broad field. So I, I don't I feel a little bit apprehensive summing it up so quickly. But I do want to give you each uh, a minute or so just to talk about what you're doing. And we'll start with Launch Code, Robbie. It's a cool awesome. startup here. Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, it is a cool startup. It's I mean, it's 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 built off of a very cool product, and the evolution is there, you know. And and what we what we're we're trying to be different in the marketplace, you know. We're trying to provide a different experience for the clients that's out there. And and you know, the reality is that there's so much evolution. Like tech is changing. The organizations have to adapt to the the constant changing tech, and, and that's that's tough. You know, you not only have to manage your business, you have to maintain status quo you have to evolve and adapt to what's happening in your marketplace and and how does technology and innovation play a big role into this you know there's so many organizations out there now that that need to focus much more heavily on client experience and and client can be internal and external you know and and that that's that it is it's a hard task to ask so you know what we've found is that you know technology and, and innovation can play a massive role in 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 organizations not only you know creating a benchmark but also leapfrogging their competition and that's where we come in and and we've had some great great successes in uh, you know building multiple different types of technology whether it's you know 3D rendering tools whether it's you know, basic mobile apps, whether it's data warehousing and analytics, um, you know, we start getting into AI driven scheduling tools and, and all types of really exciting, innovative technologies to help these organizations evolve their business. But, you know, what it comes down to is that full solution based mindset, you know, having front end expertise, having back end expertise. And, and we do things a little bit differently because we actually build hardware here as well. So not only mm -hmm. software and hardware, but, you know, we, now we have this, this, this solution that we've created and then managing it long term in, in a post-production world where clients now have a great piece of technology that's going to do amazing things for the business. But who's going to support that? What does that model look like? You know, and that's been a bit of a gap in, in what we've found. So we, we do that quite well here. And, and that's the exciting stuff of, of servicing after the fact, you know, and that's something that we didn't touch on a whole lot today. But that's such a vitally important part of sales. And I use that term loosely. How do you service your client? You know, it, it's so massive. And that's what creates repeat business. It's what creates trust. It's what creates referrals. It, it is the catalyst to move your organization forward by servicing your, your, your partners and your clients the right way. So we take a, a lot of pride in, in that post-production support world. Uh, and, and we've seen, seen some just amazing, amazing wins because of that mindset and those differentiators. So um, very excited to, to kind of keep things moving forward. And Sterling, love to chat after about a partnership. I hear you do that. <laughs> uh, I, and and to be to be honest with you, we uh, you probably talked your way into a into a different podcast around maintaining your your customer base because oh, I think okay. as you said that's a critical piece of this whole thing. Sure. Some people just assume we have a customer, we'll keep them forever. Yeah. Anyway, happy to be a part uh, of that. 
uh, Sterling, what's going on? What's what's new with Direct Tech? Yeah, so it's interesting because your conversation, that's exactly what I do at Direct Tech. I mean, my goal here is to take care of our existing accounts and find out, you know, what is happening in the technology space and how can our clients benefit from that instead of IT becoming just a, a cost to the organization to run it? How can we tie in, okay, what are your business needs to what are the technologies that are out there and what's the best way to do that? And what I, what we do here is is we're, we're picky on both ends. We won't just go and pick up a client that doesn't have an interest of kind of moving things forward or going to, to a cloud platform on Azure. They just want 100% stick things to on-prem. Okay, that, that's great if the client wants to do that, but that might not work for direct tech. So we're also, we're not just taking in whatever business that we want. Um, the biggest thing for us is we're a managed services provider. Our job is to provide you a service. And in order for us to provide that service the best way, um, we have to align that with what our organization does and what we're effective at. And, and that's why partnerships are key. So we, you know, we look at things from a, a holistic viewpoint of, okay, what are our strong points and what are, you know, the things that we can't do? Well, I'm not going to sit there and try and develop all that stuff and bring in a bunch of developers to develop. I'm going to look at someone like Robin and be like, hey, I just had this meeting. I came from an executive meeting with the clients. This is what we were working on and this is what came up. Is that something that you guys can help? Um, I don't need to make money off of introducing Robbie to that client. I will make money by, you know, helping that client because in turn, that client's going to have business uh, relevance in their organization that that turns them into more profitability or whatever their goal is. And they're going to continue to grow. My revenue is going to continue to grow. So it's really, you know, direct tech. That's that's the goal is take care of our existing accounts go and find out how can we help them? What can we use in technology before, you know, we start going out there and finding more companies that come? Um, obviously, the the big point for us is is we did, we did a good job of differentiating business development with net new and taking care of our accounts. And, and that's kind of my role is to take care of our existing accounts find out how we can benefit from them because that's also how we learn and right. grow, you know, our capabilities. So great. Great. Well, it's been great having you guys on Sterling. You'll have to bring a cigar for each of us. That's the way it is. Of Vivante. Hopefully I've said it correct. Anyway, if anyone wants to reach out to Robbie or to Sterling, please contact me at podcast at tapintotech.com. I'm happy to make those introductions and pass those connections on. Other than that, you guys, I hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Sean. We hope you've enjoyed the Technology Innovation and Growth Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would just like more information, please feel free to reach out to us at podcast at tapintotech.com. If you have any questions for me, Sean Gange-Harris, my email is sgangeharris at tapintotech.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and at www.tapintotech.com. Music provided today by www.bensound.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.